Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, good morning, Liquid Church. Welcome to the last installment of what's been an incredibly action-packed yet soul-searching series. Of course, I'm talking about Samson. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Liquid Church. And before we get started, can we give a big shout-out to our other campuses, Nutley, New Brunswick, online campus, everyone listening on the radio. So good to be here with you guys. Now, if you are joining us today for the very first time, you need to understand for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at one of the most frustrating characters in the entire Bible. I'm talking about Samson. And just so that we are all on the same page, understand that Samson was a man who was truly blessed by God. He was actually prophesied about before birth, anointed by God, empowered with this supernatural strength. He was, God was going to use Samson to deliver the people of God, the Israelites, from those evil, godless Philistines, the bad guys, right? But even though Samson had great potential, we quickly learned he was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. In fact, over and over again, we'd see Samson chase after forbidden women. I'm talking about in three chapters of the Bible, he chases after three different women, okay? He touches things that he's not supposed to touch. He drinks things that he's not supposed to drink. As a matter of fact, he traded in his God-given gift, this supernatural strength, for a bad haircut. That's like a major sin, okay? Especially in New Jersey, all right? So you see, Samson, like many of us, was often emotion driven, not spirit-led. And so, like many of us, we hate to admit this, but Samson found himself getting into trouble. And the way he would get into trouble is he wouldn't just do one big stupid thing that was ruin his life forever. No, last week, one of the things that we learned was, how do we ruin our lives? Does anyone remember? We do it one small step at a time, exactly. In fact, let's pick up right from where we left off last week. Would you go ahead and turn to your Bibles to Judges chapter 16? We're going to park here for a little bit. It's found on page 176, and we're going to see how Samson's small steps ultimately led him to be blind and actually bound. Now, as you turn there, let me remind you, okay, that up until now, Samson was like kicking some serious Philistine butt, all right? He was taking their land, burning it up. He was taking their women. And so the Philistines these were like, whoa, we got to put a stop to this guy. We got to take away his power. And, and does anyone remember how the Philistines took away his strength? What did they do? Yeah, they cut his hair. Exactly. Delilah actually betrayed him. His hair was cut. The spirit left him. He had his eyes gouged out. He lost all of his strength. And so now when we pick up the Bible right now, we see a Samson who is literally blind and he is bound. And this is when the Philistines decide to have some fun with him. Check this out in verse 25. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to what? To what did they say? Entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he what? What did he do? Performed for them. Exactly. Now, folks, you got to understand, it does not get any lower than this, all right? Samson is totally, 100%, completely, and absolutely 
shamed. I mean, remember now, when we first started out with Samson, he was our superhero. He was called by God, anointed by God, prophesied about God. You are going to have the power of God in you. In fact, whenever we look throughout Judges and whenever it describes Samson, before it described what he did, it would have this key phrase. Do you remember this phrase? It said, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Exactly. Over and over again, that phrase would be repeated when it describes Samson. But now, now, here and now, He's been reduced to like a B-rate carnival act. Our hero has literally, he has hit rock bottom. And it raises the question, what do you do when you've hit rock bottom? Each of you this morning, you were handing a, a rock when you walked in today. Would you go ahead and go ahead and lift that up there? Let me see that. Everyone here has a rock. Go ahead. Look at that. A lot of rocks in here. A lot of rocks. Awesome. Now, you're going to see exactly what this rock is all about. But for right now, as you keep that in your hand, one thing is for sure. One thing is certain. One thing everyone knows here is this. We are all, every single one of us, no matter who you are, we are all capable of hitting Rock bottom. There is no guarantee in life that you will escape hitting rock bottom. The question is this then. What happens when you do? I mean, what do you do if you're Samson and you've hit rock bottom? What do you do when when the decisions you've made in life you can no longer undo? What happens when, when you've hurt the people that you love the most and you can't go back in time to fix things? What then? What do you do when you've hit rock bottom? See, the problem for many of us, and I want to speak especially right now to the men. It applies to women as well, but especially to the men in here. I want to, I want to say this to you. We take failure so personally. I want to put it to you like this. One of man's greatest fears is failure. One of man's greatest pains is regret. We all want to measure up. We want to exceed the expectation of ourselves as well as the expectations of others. We want to do well in everything we do. So our greatest fear is to fail. And if we don't measure up, if we don't succeed, then typically our greatest pain well, it becomes regret. Oh, I wish I did that. If only I could have done this. Oh my gosh, give me one more chance and I would do it this way. And I'm not even saying it has to be like this big, huge, epic, biblical portion kind of thing. As a matter of fact, it could be very commonplace. I talk to many men who, who they, they look at their career and, and, and all they see is a big pile of rubble. They've made some decisions in their lives, some career paths, some changes, a change of course. Maybe they're unemployed right now, and they feel like they've hit rock bottom. Well, you know, uh, recently, uh, my, my wife and I, Eric and I, we, we had a friend come over. Uh, we haven't seen her in a while. This is a longtime friend of ours. We met up with her, and she was sharing with us how she so regrets not getting married earlier on in life. And don't get me wrong, she's a sweet gal, she's a godly gal, she definitely had her opportunities in life to get married. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, today she finds herself alone. And she often, she, she shared this with us, she often wonders, you know, have I, 
Have I just missed the boat? Has that ship sailed? Am I now in the rock bottom portion of my life? Is this all I have? You know, I want you to do this. I want you to look at this rock. What does this rock represent for you? How does this symbolize your rock bottom? I want you to think of that. What does this rock symbolize for me as we continue to press on this morning? Because you see, the story of Samson, it reminds us of a lot of things. But one of the things that's so key is that it reminds us, just because you've hit rock bottom, just because you've failed, and we've all failed at something, just because you've failed, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. That's not what it means. In fact, I want all of our campus everywhere, I want everyone to write this down in your notes. Failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event, not a person. You are not a failure. Yes, you may have failed. God knows I have failed so many times. And you may have even hit rock bottom. Some of you may actually be here right now today at rock bottom, but that doesn't mean that you are a failure. Failure is an event, not a person. In other words, we we see time and time again Samson. Samson's this guy who was blessed beyond blessings, yet he failed over and over again. He failed with women. He failed with his commitments. He failed with his anger. He failed with his emotions. He failed with his vows. And just when it looked like he failed one too many times, just when it looked like he failed one too many times for God to actually love him, let alone use him, We're going to see how God still accomplished his good, pleasing, and perfect will through him, even though Samson was at rock bottom. So you may be down. You may be sitting here today. You may be down, but that does not mean you're out. Just because you failed maybe over and over again with the same thing doesn't mean you're a failure because failure is an event. It happens at a point in time. It's, it happens at a, at a specific place in time, but it doesn't, it's not a person. Failure is an event, not a person. In fact, if you look at verse 25, you're going to notice that this is towards the end of Samson's story, and it also provides for us one of the Bible's greatest uh, epic twists. And so instead of reading it together, I thought I'd actually like to show this scene to you. Now, what I mean is this. How many of you saw the History Channel's miniseries, The Bible, right? Let me see your hands if you saw. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Good stuff, right? Good times. I didn't get to see all of it, but, but I, I thought they did, they did a great job, and especially when they casted Samson as this big, you know, African-American guy who's actually blind and he's bound, and eventually he was placed. Where was he placed? He was placed between these two huge pillars. In fact, if you haven't seen it, haven't seen it, check this out. something. Lord. Quiet. Lord. If I am yours, remember me now. Strengthen me once more. Your God has abandoned you, Samson. You 
are the man who took away my eyes. I am glad of it, for the darkness helps me think. Your god has deserted you and taken your strength with him. No. I can see him more clearly than ever. He wants me to destroy you all! It's over, Samsus! What do you do when you can't change the mistakes of your past? All the lust and anger and entitlement, all the emotions that he displayed, those things made Samson blind and bound. And it's not like he could go back in time and sort of undo those things. And you know what? Neither can you. Neither can I. But that doesn't mean that God can't use you in the future just because you've been knocked down. It does not mean that you're out. In fact, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down as well. You are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. And what did God say that Samson was? Well, if you remember back to week one, we saw the angel of the Lord come to Samson before he was even born. It came to his, his, his mother, and this angel said, you are going to conceive and have a son set apart to God from birth. And listen to this. He says, he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So there's no doubt about it. God said that Samson was a person who he would use to begin the deliverance of his people. And though Samson did everything he could to make a liar out of God, chasing women, breaking vows, drinking and all this stuff, though he did everything he could, Samson was still not the sum of all he did. No, Samson would be who God said he would be. In other words, did you know that not even you, can get in the way of God's plan for you. Does that make sense? Did you know that? Isn't that good to know? That not even you can get in the way of God's plan A, his best plan for you. See, 
notice how the scriptures describe the scene that we, we, just, we just saw there. Samson is placed between these two pillars. And I just love this next verse. Verse 28 says this. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me. And then let's, as one church, let's read this in one voice. Those last three words there. Just once more. Exactly. Just once more more God, won't you strengthen me? I love those three words there because you can see the heart of Samson. It's like he's saying, yeah, you know what? I know I've blown it a thousand times, God. I get it. But I'm not asking for a thousand more chances. Oh, I feel horrible. I just feel so bad, so guilty, so whatever. I've blown it a million times, but I'm not asking for a million opportunities. I'm not worthy, but, but God, please, I'm just begging you just once more. See, for the first time, I got to believe that we are seeing Samson broken. We are seeing a humble Samson for the first time. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever prayed the kind of prayer we see Samson do right here. Just one more chance, God, please. I know I'm not worth it. I'm not asking you because of my merit, but I'm asking you because of your goodness, please. Just once more. See, for the first time in Samson's life, it's no longer about him. It's now all about God. He finally gets it. And I believe in my heart of hearts that there must have been, there there was this moment for Samson where he crossed like this invisible spiritual line. He stepped across it at that moment because something in his mind, it it just clicked. The light bulb just went off at that moment because Samson all this time, he was the kind of guy that said, I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. It was always about him. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. But now, for the first time in his life, he's saying, no, 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 it's not about me anymore. God, it's all about you. And whatever your purpose is for me, just do that, God. Have your way with me. From this moment forward, I, I, won't, I won't interject myself into it. Everything I am, all that I have, it's all about you, God. Please use me to honor yourself. Whatever strength you have, just use it through me. Just once more, please. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I met up with a friend of mine from graduate school. We hadn't seen each other for over a decade. Great guy, awesome dude, really close. But, you know, life happens. You get married, you have kids, you move, job, all this stuff. And we, he was in town one day, and he just gave me a call, Facebook, that whole thing. And, oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, let's meet up. And Busy day, you know, we met at TGI Fridays, New Jersey's best, uh, whatever, you know, it's like lunchtime, express menu, all that stuff, right? Waitress comes out, what can I get you? You know, Diet Coke, potato skins, you know, artichoke dip, whatever, whatever. And uh, music's blaring, they're playing Springsteen for some reason, I don't know why, news is on, crowded, you know, trying to, the seats are slimy, all that stuff, whatever. And uh, we're just talking. It's so good to see this guy. We hadn't seen each other. We're just like catching up and blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I saw that picture on Facebook, blah, blah, all this stuff. And, and um, it just got to a certain point where you, you know this, right? You know this with your close friends, with people that you've had that connection with. There was just something off. There was something not quite right. And I, you know, I just tried to you know, just step over it and, you know, oh, you know, what are you going to get, blah, 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 yada, yada. And just, but just something, it just hit this stall. And it's like this wall came up and I could see it in his eyes. Something was not right. He, he, there was something that he was holding back. 
And so I'm like, dude, you know, I'm just trying to do, you know, pride my way, you know, do the pastor thing. You know, I feel like I have that credibility with him. I can just push a little bit further. And I'm doing that. And all of a sudden, his, his eyes just start to well up with tears. And you have to understand, my friend, he's like a, he's like a man's man. This guy has never cried. I, I believe as a baby, he never even cried, okay? This is like a man's man. He's a dude, okay? And he just, he's, his eyes are welling up. And so I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? And all of a sudden, even though it was crowded and busy and loud, it was just, it was just me and him. And we just like locked down. And, he, and he, he's trembling. I can literally see him, his hands shaking, his lip is quivering, and this tear trickles down. And he tells me how he cheated on his wife for the last three months. And the woman lives four houses down. Even sharing it now, I'm getting goosebumps. And he's telling me the last four months of his life and how it is just all crumbling apart. I mean, can you imagine his wife? His wife who I knew. I knew when they were dating. I knew when they were dating before they got married. I I was just thinking of her, and I was thinking of their three kids. They're like the same age as mine, and four houses down. And and, and he's telling me how, like, she just wants to move. She just, just get me out of this house. I don't care if you're involved. I don't care if the kids come. I just don't want to live here anymore. Don't you understand that? Every time I drive, if I go out of the house, I don't have to come back and I have to pass that stupid house. I don't want to be reminded of it. And you get it. You get that. She just wants to leave. And the kids, even though they're young, they get it, man. They're smart. Kids are smart. They know. They pick up on things. And they know what happened four houses down. And so even from school, on their way home, walking from school, they run past that house. And this guy's telling me this, and he's like crying at this. And I started crying at this point. Have I mentioned that he's a pastor? So in one fell swoop, he betrayed his bride. And in that same move, he also betrayed the bride of Christ. And so he's telling me this, and we're shaking and crying and, and just praying. Poor waitress comes out with the potato skins. <laughs> but you know, I'll never forget, I'll never forget the resolve in my buddy's eyes, in his voice when he said to me, Tom, I would give anything, anything, anything for just one more chance. If just once more, if God, for whatever reason, would be merciful, just one, I, I swear, I would not take things for granted. I would not squander away the opportunity. I would do right if only I had just one more chance. See, I believe that that was Samson's prayer. Samson was at his lowest point in life. He was blind. He was bound. He was supposed to be the superhero, yet he is dripping in public humiliation. Nobody, nobody liked Samson. His own people, oh, that's the guy that was supposed to lead us? Yeah, right. Oh, you're talking about that guy? Oh, it was prophesied about that guy that he would lead our people away from the Philistines? Are you kidding me? Look at this guy. He's a loser. But internally, Samson must have had a private moment. He must have had a private moment with God, just as I have had, just as many of you have had, and just 
as many as you need to have. Many of you need to have this moment where you're just like, God, please, just once more, one more time, one more time. I need your strength in me. I'll do right by you, Lord, please. I know I don't deserve it. It's all about you, but just once more. And you know something? God honored that humble prayer just once more. See, just because you're down, it doesn't mean you're out. Or if you're taking notes, even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. That is such glorious news, isn't it? That even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes, that he can still actually use us, and we can still be on plan A. We don't have to be on plan B when we have God in our lives. See, God's purpose for Samson's life would be that he would use Samson to begin a process to deliver the Israelites, the people of God, from the hand of the Philistines. And that is exactly what happened. Check out verse 29. It says this, Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And though it would cost him his life, look at verse 30. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple of the rule on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Now, folks, I don't want you to get it lost in the details here because you have to remember we are talking about the Old Testament here and the Philistines. You need to understand this. The Philistines were like the, the, the Nazis of the day on a roid rage, okay? They wanted to systematically and mercilessly extinguish all of the Israelites, but God steps in and he says, no, 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 that is not going to happen. I'm going to preserve my people, and Samson, I'm going to use you to do it, but it will cost you your life. And so you see, the life and death of Samson, (laughs) the life and death of Samson shows us that even in our failures, God's purposes carry forward and he can still use you, even though you've messed up over and over again because you are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. And here's the deal, folks. I don't want to sound crass. I'm not saying this to try and be funny. But here's the deal. In light of everything that we've read and seen in Samson, if you are not dead, God is not done. Does that make sense? If you are not dead, God is not done. God still has more that he wants to do in you. God still has more that he wants to do through you. God still has more that he wants to do for you. If you are not dead... God is not done. So folks, we have to stop living in regret. We have to stop living buried underneath our sins. We have to stop living in the rubble. You are not trapped by your failures in life. If you are not dead, God is not done. As a matter of fact, I want right now, everyone, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, God's not done. God's not done. Go ahead, turn to your parents. Turn to the other person and say, God's not done. God's not done. God's not done. If you are not dead, God is not done. Amen? Amen. Oh, no, 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 no. Some of you are dead. If you are not dead, God's not done. Amen? 
Okay, okay. We got some people alive. Amen, amen. Everyone hold up your rock. Go ahead, hold up your rock. Hold up your rock, okay? You can hold up this rock now because now you understand a little bit of what it means to live under the rubble. You understand what it means to hit rock bottom. You have a little bit of taste of that. You've been thinking about this throughout the message. So here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to look at that rock. And you see me here. I'm standing here between two fallen pillars, right? Each of them weighing hundreds and thousands of pounds. Like, Hey, I've been working out. Come on. Anyways. You see me here standing between these two pillars, and here's the deal. You have a piece of that pillar, so to speak, right, symbolically. You have a little piece of this rock, and my question for you today is this. What does this rock represent for you this morning? What failure, what sin, what past, what hurt does this rock represent for you? I was talking to some people after the, the, the other two services, and, you know, one person was saying, you know what this rock represents for me? It represents my marriage, and it has collapsed. It has totally collapsed. We used to be so in love, enthralled with one another, and now our marriage has collapsed. Maybe for some of you, this rock, maybe you're thinking about it, and this whole time, all you've been thinking of is your, is your kids. Maybe this rock represents for you parenting. And you just feel like it, it just, it's sucking the life out of you. I mean, you, you haven't been, I was talking to one uh, you know, mom of newborn baby. She hasn't, she hasn't slept for over you know, a year because it's this kid. I can't believe it came out of my womb. I, I just, you know, maybe this rock for you is parenthood and you feel like the walls are just caving in. There's so much to do, so much responsibility. Where's the manual for parenting? I don't know. Maybe for some of you, this rock, maybe it represents that you are buried under a mountain of financial debt. Maybe that's you. What does this rock represent for you? For some of you, this rock represents a, a certain relationships, certain friendships, uh, certain uh, relationships that you've had with people, and now you are under the rubble. You, you, rubble, you are uh, under the wreckage, and you're thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I'm alone. I, just, I, I may as well be dead. I don't have a future. I'm here to tell you today, whatever your rock is, God's not done. God's not done. Amen? Amen. If you're not dead, God's not, I don't care how big your rock is or how many rocks you have, God's not done. So folks, what does this rock represent for you today? Because whatever it is, I want you to hear God's voice. God is saying to you right now, You may feel dead, but I am not done. You may feel like you're buried in the rubble, like you've hit rock bottom, but I am not done. In fact, that's, you have to understand, that's when God loves to show off some of his best stuff, when it seems like everything's dead. Do you you see where this is going? See, when it seems like everything's dead and you're done for, that's when God loves to show off his glory and his strength and to remind everyone that he is not done. Because here's what you have to remember. You have to remember that whenever we look in the scriptures, whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, whenever we read something in the scriptures, it always points towards Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus said himself later on in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, he says this, these are the scriptures that testify about who? 
Me. He's talking about himself. Every scripture that you read testifies about me. So you see, the story of Samson, oh, this is so important. This is so good. Capture this, okay? The story of Samson is not about an imperfect man. It's not just about this muscle head, okay, who reached out towards these two pillars with both of his hands, his right hand on one and his left hand on other, and just pushed it with all of his might to deliver some of God's people. Yes, that is the story of Samson, but that's not all that the story of Samson is about. No, 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 no way. If you just think that, then you're just getting a moral story. But you have to understand that the story of Samson is about so much more. You see, the story of Samson, understand it this way, the story of Samson is a teaser. It's a trailer. The story of Samson is a pre-story to the ultimate story about another man, only this was a good and perfect God-man who would also one day reach out his arms as well, one to the right and one to the left. But instead of being bound and blind because of something that he did wrong, he did it willingly out of love. And instead of reaching out his hands, one on the right and one on the left towards pillars to crumble them so that to, in order to free some people... This Jesus Christ would reach out his hands on a cross and he would have his hands nailed to a cross out of love for you, out of love for me. And he would die on the cross. He would sacrifice his life. He would die as well, but he would do it for you and for me. And he would bring freedom to all who would believe. See, Samson died to start a temporary deliverance for some. But Jesus died to finish an ultimate deliverance for all who would believe. Or as the Apostle Peter put it, he says it this way in the New Testament. For Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. What Samson could only do partially with his physical strength, Jesus did perfectly with his spiritual strength dying on the cross for our sins. So here is how I would like to make it personal for everyone in this room. I want to invite everyone here who believes in Jesus Christ that he actually died on the cross for all your sins, for all your mistakes, for all your rock bottom moments once for all. If you truly believe that in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come on forward and receive communion, receive the body and the blood of Jesus. If, if that is your faith, if that is your profession. And in just a minute, as you come on forward, before you receive communion, you're going to see this center table here and it's already filled with some rocks. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take that rock and whatever it represents and i just want you to cast it i want to cast it off onto the rubble that's right before you on this center table and then symbolically what i want you to do is after you put your rock down move towards the side and take a a broken piece of bread that represents Christ's body broken for you and dip it in the juice that represents his blood shed for you and i want you to trade in your rock for his redemption does that make sense I'm going to invite everyone here to the Lord's table if that's what you believe, okay? You're going to trade your rock bottom moment for Christ's redemption. Why? Because Christ died for us so that we could truly have life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to make our trade. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you so much that... 
Number one, that I see myself in the story of Samson, and I know that many of my brothers and sisters here, they see themselves in the story of Samson, in his hot-headedness, in his pride, in his entitlement, in his anger, in his making small steps towards big destruction. We see ourselves there, but God, thank you. Thank you that even more than ourselves, we see Jesus there. We see an imperfect shadow a, a, a taste, a, a morsel of what Jesus would do perfectly. We see what Samson did partially, Jesus did perfectly in also stretching out his arms and bringing death to himself in order to bring freedom to all who would believe. Thank you so much for the cross. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for his body broken for us and his blood shed for us. We profess our faith in you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.